For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of worth. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? Well, as we've done all month long, we continue our celebration of the one and only, the world's greatest entertainer, Judy Garland. But we're going to add to that tonight. We are celebrating Scott Headley. And I am so excited to sit down and talk with him tonight about the amazing work that he's been doing, preserving her costumes and sharing these costumes with the rest of the world. And I'm so excited that he is here tonight. Uh, I'm surprised that he is even able to sit up at this point because he traveled by truck all the way over to the West Coast, did this huge exhibit, and then traveled back. Our word of the day is usefulness. And I choose this word because he has been more than useful in terms of spreading the love of all that is Judy Garland. And we're going to be talking about all the work that he's been doing, uh, not only for this event, for over the years and how it all began, and all the love that he has for Judy, as I do, and all of you who are here tonight. But before we bring Scott on, as we do with all of our shows this month, we begin with the one and only Judy Garland. Here she is. Dear, when you smiled at me, I heard a melody. It haunted me from the start. Something inside of me started a symphony. Strings of my heart was like a breath of spring. I heard a robin sing about a nest set apart. All nature seemed to be in perfect harmony. Sing with the strings of my your eyes made sky seem blue again What else could I do again But keep repeating Through and through I love you, love I still recall the thrill I guess I always will I hope we'll never depart But with your lips to mine Sing when the strings of my
your eyes made sky seem blue again. What else could I do again but keep repeating through and through I love you, love you. I still recall a thrill. I guess I always will. I hope we'll never depart. Dear, with your lips to mine, oh, perhaps a deed of Sing with the strings of mine. Sing with the strings of mine. Sing with the Hello, Scott. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello. I'm doing fantastic. I want to hear more of that. That was fantastic. <laughs> well, we'll come to that later. We want to hear more of you. First of all, how are you holding up? I'm doing good. Um, I feel like I got hit by a bus, uh, to be honest with you, after that cross-country trip and back. But I am so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be on your show. And I'm just so excited by what we were able to do last weekend. Well, maybe you are driving the bus. I mean, you have been driving this bus for some time. Uh, I begin my shows, and I already know the answer to most of this, but I always begin the shows by asking, who or what are you celebrating? In addition to Judy Garland and this amazing success that you just had, who or what else are you celebrating right now? Mm, who am I celebrating right now? Um, also, my associate. Uh, from the John Thomas, from the Gene London Cinema Collection. He was my partner in all this. And uh, without him, this would not have been possible. So he is as much a part of this as I am. And I'm so happy to have had him as a partner um, because we would have not been able to share all these beautiful costumes if it were not for him. So that's why I'm celebrating today. I'm so glad that you gave a shout out to him. I did ask him if he were to come on or to film something to do this tonight. And he said, let this be Scott's spotlight tonight. He said, I like to stand in the background and give let him do what he does best. Um, I begin the shows by asking a surprise question. I don't even look at the question before the show starts. So I don't know what I'm about to ask you, believe it or not. Uh, and I'm gonna see if I can make it about what you just did or the event. Um, and it says, uh, this is a good one. <laughs> All right. What's the best hotel that you've ever stayed in and why? So on this trip, what was the best place that you stayed in cross country? This will be a great plug for them. And if they're paying attention, perhaps there'll be a sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was actually through an Airbnb when we got into LA. So I picked up my mom in St. Louis along the trip. Uh, and I had my boyfriend with me as well. And uh, we just found this really beautiful home in LA and we stayed there throughout the duration of the trip. Had a beautiful porch in the background and we got to sit back there. I brought my dog Toto with me and I just thought it was a beautiful time just to be able to relax and uh, enjoy our lives separate from what we were doing that weekend. So uh, Airbnb, I, I live by Airbnb wherever I go. I think they have some beautiful, uh, you know, options wherever you tend to go. I agree. I'm going to Provincetown on, I'm leaving on Saturday. Uh, I'm actually taking a real vacation, uh, something I rarely ever do. I'm going to see Debbie Wildman uh, uh, in Provincetown next week. So nice. I'm very excited about that. 
And um, she, you know, and uh, and I also, you know, stay in Airbnbs. I just mm -hmm. love it. Um, and I love the feeling of creating, as Judy says, no place like home and yeah. being able to go and stay in a home. Uh, and, uh, and you find these places We'll be traveling with our dog as well. So it's really great that uh, we're able to do this. Um, so uh, we have to do this because Danielle is already asking. Uh, bring him on camera. We've got to see Toto. Okay. You got he's it. right behind he's you. right behind me. He's taking a nap. He got a shot today from the vet. So. Oh, poor baby. So. And he also went cross-country trip with me too. So he oh, is. there he is. To bring him over here. Ah, I love him. What's going on. But yeah, he's happy to be home as well. Oh, that's great. No place like home, Toto. No place like so home. So I want to ask you, what is it about Judy Garland with you that uh, resonates so deeply with you? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's that sense of home uh, that she brought from The Wizard of Oz. So my first uh, introduction to Judy Garland, like most people, was through The Wizard of Oz. And... Uh, my grandmother, when I was, I guess, being a little unriley one day when I was three years old, sat me in front of the TV and said, just listen to this, watch this and, you know, be quiet for a little bit. And I did. And every time I came over there, she put it on and, you know, I got quiet and I was just so enamored by this movie and by this, you know, person named Dorothy. I also were, uh, you know, I lived on a farm. We had a bunch of horses and things. Like Where that. are you from originally? I'm from uh, Missouri. Uh, Jefferson County. So there's a place called Festus. And my mom and my dad at that time boarded horses. We had about 175 acres of land. So when I saw this movie, I was I very much identified with this girl who went through all these things. It was very remote. There weren't a lot of people around and she had her friend, which was a dog. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely loved her. And then uh, I st started to discover her other films as well. And she just brought this sense of humanity and understanding to every single part that she had. Um, some people portray characters when they're on film and she lived these characters. Um, and so I think that's what I love about her the most. So what was it that originally brought you to New York? Uh, I had always wanted to go to New York City. I always wanted to work there. Um, Judy had inspired me to actually want to be an actor as well. And so I tried my hand at that. I went to college for it. Uh, I danced at Walt Disney World for a long time uh, on the castle stage, sang on a boat for a little bit. And then I went to New York and I went into production uh, and administration in that way in theater. Um, and so I got a job uh, at New World Stages. And mm -hmm. they said, I was living in St. Louis at the time. And they said, you have three days to move from St. Louis to New York City. And so it was a dream uh, job. And I had always wanted a job to get me to New York City instead of just going there blind and, you know, trying to make it work. I wanted to have the job before I moved there. And uh, I was able to do that. And it brought me here. And I've been here for nine years. And I'm so grateful uh, that I'm here and the, great, and the journey that I've been on as well. Wow. I've got many, 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 many years on you. Uh, I came to New York in 1979. Also grew up on a farm in South Carolina. Oh. Uh, so all these things that you're talking about uh, ring true for me as well. Uh, I knew Michael Benson, uh, oh. who was a very dear friend of mine. And I think that some of the costume pieces I think you have originally mm -hmm. belong to him. Uh, am I correct? 
That is true. Yes. Um, and, you know, he unfortunately passed away. He died of AIDS. And, uh, and I remember uh, going to his home and he loved showing, especially the Carnegie Hall jacket uh, that he had. And uh, this going back many, many years, um, doing a display at Lincoln Center of the costumes uh, long before you were on the scene. Um, when, where, and how did the collection begin for you? And what was the first item that you were able to purchase? Yeah, so this is a long story. Um, you know, my family would get me trinkets, Wizard of Oz trinkets here and there for Christmas and my birthday. And I read a book called The Ruby Slippers of Oz about Kent Warner, who had saved all these beautiful costumes. And as soon as I read that, I had discovered, wow, I have the opportunity to own some of these things that were seen on film and, you know, potentially take care of them. I thought that was amazing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had kind of promised myself when I was in high school and middle school after reading this book that I would save up my money and, you know, I would kind of do what Kent did in a way, not steal costumes or liberate them as he would call them, but I would have a collection of my own. And so it wasn't until college um, that I discovered a real authentic piece and it was Bobby Koshay's Dorothy blouse from the film. Now, Bobby Koshay was Judy Garland's double. So anytime you see, uh, you know, Dorothy's back for the most part or any kind of stunt work, this was the blouse that was used for those scenes. Um, and there was a private collector that had owned this and decided that it was time for him to let it go. And um, I, I'm going to admit, sorry, mom, I took some student loan money and <laughs> I purchased the costume and it was my real uh, first authentic Wizard of Oz piece. And I was so proud to have it. And I was so excited to have it as well. And then it kind of just took off from there. It was insane. Um, and this last year has really been a blessing, uh, teaming up with the Gene London Cinema Collection. We've uh, been able to acquire a lot of pieces for the exhibit uh, just within the last year. Um, we've been telling people our mission and what we wanted to do. And uh, we wanted to share Judy's legacy. And they've been very open uh, to helping us obtain these pieces for the, the exhibit collection. And I'm so, so pleased that we are able to celebrate Judy in this way. So many of the pieces that are part of this collection, they were on display, uh, were pieces that were uh, from other collections as well. So all of these pieces are not absolutely your collection. Am I correct? That's true. Uh, the bulk of it is our collection from the Get Happy exhibit collection. But there is another collector named Wolsey Ackerman. He shared about three or four of his beautiful pieces. Um, he had an original Judy Garland blouse. And there's a beautiful publicity photo of Bobby Koshay, her stunt double, and her sitting right next to each other talking with a munchkin. Mm -hmm. And so we recreated that vignette of the two blouses sitting next to each other with the publicity still. So that was important for me to include that within the exhibit. Um, and he also had a beautiful piece from Meet Me in St. Louis. And then uh, there's one other collector who lent uh, a piece from the pirate uh, to the collection as well. But the bulk is ours. Um, and we were so pleased that these individuals, uh, you know, donated their, their time and lent us their pieces for the exhibit collection because it just really rounded out a beautiful, uh, you know, beginning of Judy's story up until the Carnegie Hall experience. And it really moved and touched a lot of people when they saw these things. Uh, now, 
it was announced last year that this fragrance uh, called Judy, uh, which was based on her uh, a fragrance that she actually wore, which was had been taken off the market, uh, and they recreated uh, Vince Bonato, who I had on the show. It's on demand, everyone. Go and watch the interview. Uh, I interviewed him last year when it was first announced, uh, and a, uh, and I had a great time getting to know him. Uh, when this was announced that he was going to be doing this launch, how were you able to connect with the uh, Abel Center uh, and get connected with all of that to make all of this start to happen? Um, John Fricky was instrumental in helping us with that. So he is very good friends with Lorna Luft. Um, and I was trying to reach out to Vince Bonato. It was pretty much at the beginning of their campaign and I was having trouble getting through. Uh, and so uh, just by talking with John, he goes, you know, they are doing a fragrance. And I said, well, um, you know, I presented our proposal. I just haven't heard back. And he goes, just give me a second. I'll get back to you and let me share what you're doing. And it was shortly after that we heard from them. Um, it was a huge blessing. We flew out to California and we showed him the collection and what we had proposed. Um, and he said, we have to have this for our opening night celebration and for the release of Judy's fragrance. And so we teamed up together. He sponsored us to come out. Um, and we were just so excited uh, that we were able to partner with him. The fragrance smells beautiful. Uh, we were able to sample it when we saw him six months before. Um, and I feel like it is truly a unisex fragrance. It's a unisex uh, fragrance. It is. Uh, men and women will enjoy it. It's got, you know, essences of grapefruit and pink peppercorns. It's just, it's really lovely. Now you gave, uh, you've uh, given a little video. I have not seen this. It's a very short video. And the, these are moments from the uh, event itself that we're about yes. to see. Okay. Yeah, the, the fragrance release on Judy's birthday, uh, Friday, June 10th. So I'll share this and then we'll uh, continue this on the other side. Great. I mean, that, was, that was Vince with Lorna and blowing out the candles uh, on the cake as well. And that was Joe with, uh, so uh, I'm sure, have you, had you had met Lorna before? I had not. Um, I didn't feel right approaching her, or contacting her out of the blue. Um, I just wanted to be respectful. That was her mother. Um, I'm a fan. I don't have any connection to Lorna left. And so I wanted to respect her privacy. Um, and I just thought if I had the opportunity to meet her on the night of the, uh, the debut, the fragrance and the exhibit, then so be it. If I don't, then that's okay. Um, and I really had the pleasure to meet her. She was absolutely wonderful. Uh, she was very, very warm and embracing. And I'm just so happy that I was able to share these pieces and that she was able to see them because many of them haven't been seen since the Lincoln Center, uh, you know, exhibit. Uh, 30 years ago, and a lot of them have never been seen on public display at all. So um, I thought it was a good tribute for her mother that night. And I, I really, really hope that she had a good time. 
I'm sure she did. What was the biggest hurdle that you faced with all of this? Because I'm sure that you probably dealt with a lot of headaches. Uh, and I know that you and I spoke uh, before all of this uh, and that you were trying to get this all housed together uh, in a museum. Is that still an issue that you're having uh, you know, trouble trying to get that all together? So it's our dream to tour this throughout the country because not everybody can go to New York City. Not everybody can go to L.A. It's hard, you know, and there are people who live uh, in between. Right. So we do definitely want to uh, tour this thing. The issue was mainly COVID uh, when we were reaching out to a lot of these museums. We had a finite deadline for the most part. This is Judy Garland's 100th birthday. This is her 100th birthday year. But every museum that we had reached out to said, I'm so sorry. Um, our museums have been closed because of COVID and everything that we have scheduled to uh, exhibit has been now backlogged two years. So it was a struggle trying to find um, a museum that would coincide with her 100th birthday. But the beautiful thing about Judy Garland being 100 is we have the entire year. She's going to be 100 for a while and we can still celebrate 100 years of Judy Garland. So we have been moving forward. Um, the debut of our exhibit at the Fragrance Launch was a wonderful opportunity for us to meet some very special individuals. Uh, and we are in preliminary talks to take this to Omaha, Nebraska, Palm Springs, Texas, uh, we'd love to bring it here to New York City, where we're, we're, where we're based. Um, I'm going to do a special exhibit for, uh, it's 2024 for the World's Fair that ex uh, premiered in 1904 in St. Louis. So we're going to do a nice thing with them as well at the Missouri History Museum. So we have little pieces here and there. And then, of course, uh, we're in preliminary talks with uh, Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids uh, the Judy Garland Museum up there. We would love to bring this uh, to their museum to celebrate Judy Garland next year. So we have uh, many museums, many possibilities, and we have so much interest from fans on our Facebook page uh, who are telling us, bring it here, bring it here, bring it to the UK, bring it to Australia, and we hope we can share it with all of you. Well, last night um, I had Randy Schmidt on the show and we were talking about the unity of how Judy brings so many people together. Uh, with uh, the fan clubs and all the Judy sites uh, that are all over social media. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, the outpouring of love for Judy is there. I want to talk about the flip side of all of that as well. I'm sure that with a collection as valuable as this, uh, that, as this is, mm -hmm. the headaches that must go with this, uh, must be enormous as well. I mean, there you are uh, with your boyfriend. I think it was your boyfriend that you traveled, just the two of you and your dog, uh, in this truck with all of these costumes on board. Was, I mean, the pressure of all of that uh, very high on your shoulders? Yeah, and I'm still feeling it, to be honest with you. Um, so... The first two days, it was just me, you know, from New York. And then I picked up my mom in St. Louis and my mom, God bless her. She's who I picked up. Um, and she traveled with me pretty much predominantly the entire way. But yes, when you have a collection that uh, we insured for just under a million dollars, that's a huge responsibility. And I didn't really trust anybody to take it across the country. So I did it myself. Um, these are pieces that can't be replaced. This is, these are pieces that are attributed to a woman's legacy that is um, 
you know, touched so many fabrics of American culture. You can't fabric being the operative word and, there. Yeah, fabric. There you go. Um, <laughs> It was it was a huge responsibility. I um, am their caretaker, you know, taking it from one coast to the next, and uh, it was very nerve wracking, um, you know. So and and then that evening, so on Friday, after the event was over for the fragrance release, we had two hours to break everything down and move it to the stage because we were going to have it up on display both Saturday and Sunday for that weekend. So I had a bunch of friends who got together and they were very gracious and they lent us their evening. And in two hours, we were able to break everything down and move it to the stage. This is an old theater, mind you. It was built in the early 1900s. And so there are no ramps. Uh, and we had seven foot posters that we were carrying uh, valuable pieces. And I had to trust my friends to be like, okay, we've got two hours before the venue closed. Let's get everything onto the stage. Um, and then we had to pack it all up on Sunday and then drive it all back, get it into my apartment and into storage unit and to the studio as well. So um, it's a huge responsibility as a curator and a caretaker for these pieces to make sure that, um, you know, their life is protected um, and that you're able to share these things with future generations. I have visions of Mickey and Judy sitting on a cloud somewhere going, let's put on a show because that's essentially what you're doing, uh, you know, from start to finish. Um, I, you know, I just recently, uh, after a long time, uh, I was dear friends with Carol Channing and I just sold uh, my Carol Channing costumes that I had, wow. uh, but I was ready to let go and give them to someone who I know appreciates them is ready to take them and over the course of many years, especially, I had her Cecilia Sisson coat uh, that Bob Mackey designed for our television special. And over the years, and you know this better than anyone, the wear and tear of these costumes, just uh, touching it can cause it to crumble in your hands sometimes. Yes. And uh, just packing it and sending it cross country, I, I just felt like, you know, am I doing the right thing by even selling it to this person because is he going to be disappointed when he gets it? And I kept saying, let's do a Zoom so you can see what it's like before you receive it. Um, what one piece did you have the hardest time restoring to its original glory? So there were two pieces, to be honest with you. Um, the first one was the first Judy Garland costume that I had owned. Um, I won it by mistake. Uh, it had recently belonged to Michael Seward. And when I had received it, unfortunately, it was not in the best condition. Uh, there was a lot of staining throughout. It looked like, um, I don't know, at one time it had been dropped in a, a puddle that was maybe rusty or something of that nature. And there were giant holes ripped throughout the shoulders. And it was one of her most iconic pieces from one of her most iconic films. And when I got it and I saw it, I was like, oh, this this needs some work. Um, and so I found the best care that I could find some of the best conservators here in New York city and in St. Louis. And it took me three years to get it correct. Uh, the first time it was in a, like some ion bath that would stabilize all the particles that could have been in there. So it wouldn't disintegrate the fabric any further. Um, and once when it was stabilized, uh, I took it to a conservator in St. Louis who does an amazing job. And she was able to repair the, the shoulders and she was able to get out all the staining. And I never thought I was going to be able to display the piece again. It was in such a fragile state. And she did such a remarkable job. Um, 
I'm just so proud of the work that she had done. And there's a second piece from presenting Lily Mars, and it's made of apricot velvet. And pretty much every time that you touch it, it splits because velvet, mm -hmm. as we know, you don't cut velvet, you tear velvet. And mm -hmm. so unfortunately the piece is tearing and it hasn't been on display for 30 years since the Lincoln Center exhibit. Um, and so she spent about seven or eight months really working on this thing, you know, stitching up all the rips and tears and making sure the inside lining was protected. So uh, the inside lighting wouldn't shatter any further. Um, and it is not done yet. Uh, when she presented it to me, there was still some issues. And this will likely, this past weekend, will be the only time that it is going to be on display until I can get more conservation work on it uh, further. But that is my mission with uh, finding these pieces, is making sure that they are properly taken care of. And if they are damaged, to restore them to their, their former glory, because this is our American culture. A lot of people say America has no culture. I absolutely disagree with those individuals. America has a lot of culture, and it can be found in, you know, whether you like it, Hollywood. And Judy Garland is very much part of that. And I want to, you know, make sure that her legacy lives on, and it lives on through these pieces. I interviewed Debbie Reynolds the night before her last auction, and it was one of the saddest interviews that I've ever done, ever. Mm -hmm. uh, she was so depressed because she devoted her entire life to preserving these costumes and trying to find a museum. And now we have, you know, the motion, uh, the Academy uh, Museum. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, that did not happen in her lifetime. And that would have been the perfect place for all of this to happen. So I hope that what you're doing will find its, will find a home. Um have you considered the Academy Museum uh, or were, is this something that they have taken an interest in? I mean, it's interesting because you have such a, a passion and a love for these films. And uh, those of us who are Judy fans, we see these costumes and we light up like it's Christmas morning. Mm. But some people, they don't have that same passion. How do we instill in them uh, the importance of how these are so important in our cultural history because they are cultural uh, artifacts of our history in film. Absolutely. Um, I think we educate them by inviting them to events like this. And if they are able to show up and see how much it touches individuals, I think it will really open up their eyes to say, oh, my small perception of what people want to see at a museum is not really what people want to see. They want to see more than this. It's not your mainstream individual things. People love a lot of different things in life. Um, we did present this exhibit to the Academy Museum and they didn't show interest in it, unfortunately. There's a lot of space at the Academy Museum. There's a lot that could be utilized there. Um, people want to see costumes. It's what I hear from a lot of friends and people who aren't necessarily Judy Garland or Wizard of Oz collectors or fans, they go, where are all the costumes? You know, they've got cameras and, you know, all these other things, but where are the costumes? Why aren't they utilizing this space? And um, so I really urge the Academy to, you know, consider, um, you know, these collectors who've really spent their, their lifetime preserving these pieces and to join with them to, uh, you know, share these, these important costumes because the public does want to see them. Um, I don't know if you heard, but recently they had an email blast out to a bunch of individuals 
they're taking down their Wizard of Oz display. They're removing the ruby slippers from display from the Academy Museum. And it shows to me that maybe- Now, do they have a reason behind this? They want to cycle out different uh, exhibits. So they're replacing it with The Godfather, The Wizard of Oz with The Godfather. Um, I think The Godfather is a fantastic film. Um, I think, you know, many, many, many people enjoy The Godfather, but a lot of the traction, in my opinion, that has been coming to the museum is people want to see the ruby slippers. Mm -hmm. uh, the Smithsonian found out that whenever they have to take off the ruby slippers off display for restoration or what have you, they get a lot of complaints. They have right. a lot of unhappy kids, children, families that say, what happened to the ruby slippers? I came to the Smithsonian to see the ruby slippers. Me too. Um, yeah. So I, in case anyone's looking, uh, they're here. They're so. right there. <laughs> they also brought mine, Richard. Yes. Shameless brought mine from, uh, yes. from our exhibit last weekend. So these were made by Randy Struthers, and he did an incredible job specifically for our exhibit. So Those are gorgeous. Those yeah. are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, did TCM cover this at all? Uh, we also reached out to them. Um, they, I believe, were in kind of a flux. Uh, they were being purchased out by Discovery. And so I think they had to be a little careful with uh, the decisions that they were making. But we presented a Judy Garland 100th, uh, you know, celebratory birthday exhibit to them. And uh, I think they had a few pieces within their archives that they pulled, uh, which would have been easier and cheaper for them to celebrate at uh, their film festival. But um, they didn't do a hundredth celebration. I want everyone to start a petition. I'm putting this out right now. I want, I want to be in charge of programming for TCM. And <laughs> it's been brought by Discovery. Get me in there, because the programming for TCM is it's it's changed so drastically from what Robert Osborne's vision was. And I really want to get back to celebrating the history of these films. It's done somewhat, but not to the extent that it was before. So somebody start a petition and get me in there. That's my, that's my, I'm manifesting it. I want to be there and we'll get uh, a, a, a documentary done on Scott Headley and the work that he's doing. For Listen, Richard, when you become CEO of TCM, please invite our exhibit to come to one of the festivals. I know that the fans there would love to see these things, you know, and we can invite other collectors to do the same thing. So. Uh, it, it, it's important. I mean, this month they are doing a, a series on fashion and the fact that this was happening in their backyard uh, and it, there was no connection. Uh, this is where I say, think outside the box, take advantage of these things and, you know, make it happen. I want to ask, have you ever been taken on a wild goose chase? Uh, when it comes to the costumes of d going down a path only to find out, you know, why, why did this happen to me uh, to find that you got there and it was all a dream. It wasn't uh, yeah. reality. Um, I don't know how much I can share on, uh, you know, on, on the show, but I will say uh, I, I won't name any names, but there was one individual who proclaimed that they had, uh, the velvet costume from for me and my gal it's the signature one that she wears when she's doing vaudeville with gene kelly and i just thought man that would really make this take this exhibit to the next level and so i had contacted that individual and we kind of got 
uh, played around a little bit. This individual, oof, I don't know if I want to say it. Um, as you know, the collecting world is is a little, um, you know, can be a little underground and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. I want to respect mm-hmm. all, all parties and individuals. Um, right. But I was, we were strung along a little bit. I think some individuals um, have the best intentions, but uh, I think some people live through their pieces. Um, and this this might have been one individual who had done that. So unfortunately, uh, it never transpired. But well, I, that's, what's, that's what separates you from those, because your goal has always been to get these seen by more people instead of just having it. Um, I mean, and that was the same thing, you know, and why I decided to sell my costumes. They were hanging in my closet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's like, what good are they doing just hanging here? And this uh, person, uh, he's been collecting her costumes for a long time, Carol Channings. And he truly wanted to, uh, he wants to have them all on display. And I hope that, you know, his dream comes true as well. Uh, it's very important that we do get these out to uh, a bigger audience. And especially now with this being Judy Garland's 100th birthday, uh, that we do get them uh, to as many people as possible. Um, is there a Holy Grail item that you truly want? I mean, everybody, of course, would love to have uh, Ruby slippers. And then I want to talk about an iconic item that's been in the news lately. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know which one I'm talking I, I about. I do know what you're talking about. Of course, the ruby slippers would be amazing, mm-hmm. um, but that is that's not really within my uh, my perception of something that I'll be able to uh, get one day. Maybe it'll happen, but I'm not really sure. Um, we are very very fortunate to have the Carnegie Hall jacket uh, within the exhibit collection. In my opinion, that is just as important to Judy Garland's career as the Dorothy dress was. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to put that on display was really amazing. But um, the few pieces, I, I'm from St. Louis. So mm-hmm. being able to own the red Meet Me in St. Louis dress where she's saying, have yourself a Merry Little Christmas to coincide with the jacket that she takes off on that dress and wraps over Margaret O'Brien, who played Tootie, um, would be spectacular to own that. And um, I also love the pirate. So there's a, a beautiful chocolate dress and her wedding dress. If I could have one of those at some point, mm-hmm. I think that would be magnificent, but you know, time. So let's tell. talk about this little item that's been in the news lately. Okay. And you know, which one I'm talking about. I do. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, this was really wild for me personally. And I can't remember if we talked about this on the phone. Um, so I have a contact at the Smithsonian and he's wonderful. He uh, helps with the Ruby slippers there. And we've had drinks a few times when he's come here into New York City. Um, But he reached out to me because he knew that I owned pieces from the Wizard of Oz, a blouse and some other uh, things. And he goes, I the Smithsonian was just reached out to by uh, a university, the Catholic University. And they believe that they have discovered the Dorothy dress from a Dorothy dress from the Wizard of Oz, a copy of it. And it was found in a shoebox. Um, I would love to talk with you at some time, you know, if you, you have a moment and, uh, you know, we, we believe it's, it is what it is, but we would love to talk with you further just to authenticate it. So we spent a few weeks talking back and forth and I shared every piece of research that I had regarding all the test costumes and the, the evolution of the dress all the way to what we know it to be today on film. And, uh, it was an exciting process and, uh, and, and he, 
you know, he goes, okay, this is what it is. We authenticated it and great. And then I guess it was maybe two, three months later after this, we had learned, uh, he reached back out to me and he goes, it sounds like it, the dress has been consigned to Bonhams. Can I please put you in contact with uh, one of the individuals there to do some authentication or, you know, some more discovery, like lend any kind of research that, you know, that, you know, with them. And I said, absolutely, please do. And uh, so I talked with the, the, the person who was responsible for taking care of that dress. Her name was Helen. And we went through the whole process. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, just before it was about to go up for sale, uh, you know, this, this woman in Wisconsin who was a relative of the priest said, I am the rightful owner of this costume. And the costume was withdrawn from the, uh, the auction. And mm -hmm. I was just, wow. Like the whole entire cycle of, uh, you know, it being discovered in a shoebox, nobody had known about it for 30 plus years. And then this woman is saying, actually, I'm the owner of this costume. And I guess the courts will tell and the, the evidence will reveal itself to really tell who is the rightful owner of the, this, this dress. But it was uh, an amazing journey to see from helping authenticate it in a very small way to seeing it withdrawn um, and having- Did you see it on display at Bonhams? I did. So Helen was really grateful or gracious. And when I had shown up, um, she gave me a private tour with the dress and it was wonderful um, because uh, there are certain aspects about each of the now, costumes. That a lot me, of uh, now we have a, a comment here, excuse me for interrupting, but he says, uh, Brad uh, Seance, I, I hope, I, I, I don't want to screw up the spelling of it. He says he knew about the Catholic University dress when he was in high school back in 1980 wow. because the dress was on display in his office. Wow. Well, that's, that's amazing. Um, I mean, I, it's amazing that that dress would be on display in, in, in an office in 1980 and that it was not as more well-known. Right. Uh, I, I believe you, Brad, if you, if, if you're saying this, that uh, because based on the stories that's coming out right now, the dress was just discovered in a shoebox. Right. I mean, so it was gifted by, I can't ever, I'm so bad with actors' names, uh, Mercedes. She Mercedes was, McCambridge. Yes, absolutely. And to the priest uh, in 1973, apparently they were friends. And I don't really know the story of what had happened to it uh, since then, but it was donated to the priest slash uh, the Catholic University. And then uh, the only other thing that I know was a student had t cut a hole potentially, supposedly a student had cut a hole of the fabric in the back of the dress and took it as a souvenir. So when you look at it, this, you know, today, there's a giant chunk of the fabric missing and you can see the, you know, the underskirt of it. But um, I mean, it would make sense if the, the priest was there to have it maybe on display, if he was teaching acting classes or things of that nature to share it with his students. Um, I'm sure he was uh, very excited to have it as part of, you know, mm -hmm. his classroom studies. But um I don't know the trajectory. I would love to know more about it, um, you know, to hear from some of the students when when it was there, when it was on display, when it, uh, you know, stopped being on display. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, but somebody discovered it and somebody, um, you know, revealed it recently. Now, I had Walter Kruger on here yes. on Saturday night, uh, and uh, he's got this amazing Wizard of Oz collection. And it blows my mind with him with his collection that you two went to school together yeah so we knew <laughs> in college which was absolutely crazy um 
I don't even remember really how we met. It was just somebody had told me a friend was like, you've, well, if you're a lover of the Wizard of Oz, you have to meet this, this guy named Walter Kruger. He is the largest Wizard of Oz collection in America or probably the world or something. And that caught my attention. So we started talking and we connected and he became one of my best friends. Um, you know, and we were very close throughout college, uh, cause I, I went to college in Chicago and he was just out of Chicago and, um, we had a lot of great times together. We collected with each other. We were rivals with each other with some of the pieces that we found on eBay. Very friendly, of course. Did you see each um, other out in LA? We did. Um, I hadn't seen Walter in a very long time, uh, just from living in New York city. And, um, it was wonderful to reconnect with him. Uh, he's a, he's also another individual who is trying to share his collection with uh, people, and um, he, he's just a great person. So it was really lovely to see him. Now, I have a question. I have a friend, Danielle. Uh, she's psychic, okay. and uh, she's got a very interesting question for you. Okay. Uh, and uh, she's one of the best out there, everyone. If you can get a reading with Danielle, please, please, please. She's All the right. best. Let me talk to her after this. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I, I will put you in touch with each other. She's phenomenal. And she wants to know if you've ever felt any paranormal uh, activity around any of the costumes um, or memorabilia. And also, uh, if you need any help in that department, reach out to her. All right. We'll talk later. Um, yeah. So I've I, I would say that I have felt certain things over the years, not necessarily attributed to any of the pieces um, I, I think that a lot of the the costumes do have a center a certain energy to them because of just what they are and what they mm -hmm. uh, brought and how they were filmed and shared with people. There's a long lineage of making people happy and emotions attached to these pieces. So I think there are certain energies attributed to those, especially when you see them. They bring you know these moments of film to life. Um, uh, this is going to sound a little interesting for non uh you know believers in paranormal things but there was a a beautiful uh concert in st louis that i was invited to and it was a night celebrating judy garland and it was the gay men's chorus and uh i felt her presence there like i had never met her in person um you know i wasn't alive during the time that she was had the concerts i only know her through her her work um, you know, on film and through her albums. And, but there's a, a certain emotion that was brought from that. And I just truly feel like I felt her presence in that moment when I was watching, you know, the celebratory concert of these individuals. Um, and then also when I went to uh, Rufus Wainwright's uh, concert, just a few, I guess it was maybe four or five years ago. Um, I don't know, just, it was really an honor uh a tribute to her, and I felt it in that moment. And I, I also think she was there last weekend. Um, I really, really hope so. Um, I will say this, since I've been doing this series, yeah. uh, some interesting things have happened. I mean, the other day I found a piece of paper and it just said, thank you, Judy. You know, I mean, I mean, it may sound odd to some people, but these things. Uh, we're going to give uh, away uh, an item. Do you want to show them what they're going to, uh, the winner's going to get? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we created a logo for our exhibit, um, and I'm just so happy. We we printed off a bunch of things, and I'm wearing it, so I'm so sorry for the awkward like getting up here. But it's a T-shirt, and uh, it says Judy, 100 years on it. Um, 
And so I'd love to give this away tonight. One of the, you know, we have a bunch of different sizes and um, it's just a wonderful way to celebrate Judy Girl. And I think, and uh, I like the black and white and then the rainbow and it's her, you know, and her get happy pose. So I'd be very, very happy to donate this to, um, you know, a lucky winner this evening. Yes. And uh, Brad, uh, I agree with you. I've known uh, John Fricky also since uh, the early eighties and uh, a shout out to John Fricky. Uh, I have a shelf full of John's books uh, and uh, everyone look John Fricky up. Uh, he is the expert uh, on all things Judy Garland and uh, he has been the torchbearer and he has uh, kept her memory alive and in a positive way. Uh, and he is out there uh, singing her praises and doing all, I mean, he is just absolutely uh, the Pied Piper uh, when it comes to Judy. So John, I don't know if you're seeing this or not tonight. If you are, uh, I say thank you uh, for Judy fans everywhere uh, and as a friend. Uh, so thank you for all you do. So I've got some wind down questions that I'm going to ask you. Uh, some maybe Judy related and some maybe just directed at you. So yep. I will start. What is the one thing about your profession? Uh, and, uh, and I want to talk about specifically in this realm with uh, the costume collection uh, that makes you the angriest and the proudest it makes me the angriest and the proudest. Um, I think what makes me very angry is uh, individuals who um, aren't taking care of these pieces, who know that they're not taking care of these pieces. Um, it's just unfortunate. Um, I think some some people use these as, uh, uh, you know, to inflate their ego a little bit. And that's not what this is about. It's about again, the individual who wore them and celebrating their legacy. Um, so I think that that's really disappointing um, to me. And just take care of these things. If you, if you, if you have them and if you've, you've been lucky enough to have them, take care of them for the next person and for other people to enjoy and share. Um, and then what makes me the happiest is the flip side of that. When you get to share these pieces with these individuals, um, but John and I were so moved last weekend. We didn't really know what to expect. Um, we had a, a bunch of people flood to the theater where, you know, one of the theaters where Judy Garland was discovered. And to see the look in their eyes when they saw some of these pieces, because it, it brought the film to life for them, a lot of people were talking with me and they were shaking. They were trembling because she meant so much to them. And that's really what all this was about. And I think my favorite moment of the entire weekend was on Friday. Um, there was a little boy who, with his father, um, really enjoyed the Wizard of Oz display. And I kind of saw a little bit of myself in him, you know, and uh, he's taking some pictures with his dad and he was smiling and I came up to him because we were just about to break down. Um, and I go, do you like the Wizard of Oz? And his dad goes, well, this is Judy Garland's great, great grandson. Wow. And the little boy said, I love the Wizard of Oz. And I go, well, you know what? I go, would you like to wear the Wicked Witch's hat? And so I took the, the replica hat down and he wore it and we took some pictures together. But that's what this was about. You know, it's a full circle. You know, Judy starting, creating all this, uh, this amazing uh, memories and then her 
her children's children's children, able to celebrate it. And she touched so many people's lives, so many different generations. And uh, that was definitely the most special moment for me uh, throughout this entire process, that this year and a half and lifetime of collecting was worth it to see the look on that little boy's face and to be able to celebrate her, his great, great grandmother's legacy with him was just astounding. That's wonderful. And, yeah. Uh, you may have started something tonight. A lot of people are asking if they don't win the t-shirt tonight, yeah. can they buy it? Absolutely. We'd love for you to, you know, share with us, uh, you know, in Judy's 100th and we have several t-shirts, um, you know, that you can celebrate with us. So I have a Facebook page. Um, it's called Get Happy 100 Years of Judy Garland. Please find us. Uh, contact me individually at info at judygarlandexhibit.com. Uh, we have a few pieces that you might be interested in. And uh, thank you for your interest. That's great. Wonderful. Uh, so what is the most important action that you feel that you took that propelled you to this point with this exhibit? The most important action. I mean, uh, it's really been a blessing the entire way. I, I had an intention of what I wanted and what I wanted to see. Um but it was just a lot of faith and um, I'm a person of faith and uh, uh, it, it was, it was God answering for me a lot of my prayers to get to where I wanted to be. And so I give him all the glory to where I am. Um, but aside from that, I think it's just people that I've met along the way. Um, John Ferkey was instrumental within that. He's, he's a very dear friend of mine uh, and he's been my champion uh, for this entire process ever since I met him 15 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. And then John Thomas was also instrumental in bringing this to life as well. I couldn't have done it without either of them. Um, and my mom's support as well. I can't forget my family, you know, yeah, no, um, so we can't forget our family for this. So I'm very grateful for all the people involved in my life to have lifted me up to, um, propel me to where I am. Thank you. That's that's wonderful. And thanks for uh, mentioning them. I think it's very important. Um, everybody on this planet, we need to acknowledge those that uh, that help us out. So thank you for that. And thank you, Mom. Um, what is the most interesting costume piece that you own that was not mentioned in the show tonight so far? It's a non-Judy piece, and we celebrated it uh, last Friday, uh, the debut. So Recently, John had discovered um, a Wicked Witch costume, a piece of the Wicked Witch's costume. And, uh, you know, I had debated with him for a while uh, looking at it, and it was so unusual. But it is Margaret Hamilton who played uh, the Wicked Witch. It was her double. So we have two double pieces within the collection. And um, it's actually made of silk and not of wool which is very unique. And it's got a little bit of shine because everything else was made of wool. And mm -hmm. uh, our theory is that Betty Danko wore it um, when she was doing her flying of the broom sequences above the Emerald City. Uh, the, the sheen to the silk would have popped a little bit better on newly uh, developed Technicolor against a blue sky. Mm -hmm. And um, it would have shown a little better. And it's just amazing. There's also a little bit of a story with that. So uh, as a lot of people know, Margaret Hamilton su suffered severe injuries on set. And so after she went up in a ball of flames, the take that you see on film is the one that she was severely burned. She received second and third degree burns from that take. 
Um, and ever, you know, after that, she goes, I'm not doing any more of my own stunts. Somebody else can do that. And that's where Betty Danko came in. So mm -hmm. when she had refused to fly on the broom sequence, unfortunately, Betty Danko uh, suffered a, a similar fate. And when she was on the pipe with smoke blowing out, she it blew up and she fell off in the air from piano wires and she suffered a big gash in her leg. And uh, according to some historians, she also had to have a hysterectomy from that event. Wow. So uh, this piece, which has never been seen by the public before uh, and pretty much came from the MGM archives, we debuted it last Friday uh, at this exhibit. And I created a few other pieces like the hat and the, the cape to kind of identify what it was. But we were really excited to find that uh, and to share it with everybody. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting question. My show is about celebrating. So yeah. I'm going to ask a question. And again, I'm all about celebrating. So take that into consideration. Have you experienced prejudice in terms of the work that you do with the Judy Garland collection? And if so, how have you gotten through that prejudice? What keeps you going through that? I think ever since I was a little kid, I knew what I wanted and what I liked. And I was made fun of for it when I was a, a student and a kid all, all the way through uh, uh, college. And I think a lot of it was growing up in the Midwest and people not being exposed to um, a variety of different individuals or people or experiences. Um, I hate to say it, but it's it's a the key word is ignorance there because if you're not educated about certain things you're going to be afraid of those things um but i was always known as the kid who loved the wizard of oz and judy garland um and that's what i was known for you know and i didn't really necessarily have a problem with that because we all love something and this just happened to be my particular love um and it never really faltered because um throughout my life uh through any struggles that i had any personal uh hurdles uh it was just wonderful to turn on maybe her show or one of her movies and just kind of escape for a little bit. And uh, I knew what I loved. A lot of people don't know what they love or what they want to do in life. And I was blessed to know what I wanted to do. So um, I think it's just kind of staying focused on what you love, what you want to do, what you want to share in life. Focus on that. Everything else is just noise. Ignore it. Follow your dreams. Uh, thank you. And I just want to mention because uh, Doug uh, McAllister just mentioned about uh, Margaret Hamilton's appearance uh, on uh, uh, Mr. Rogers. They just uh, discovered uh, her piece uh, on uh, Sesame Street, which was wow. deemed at the time too scary for children. And you can look it up, Margaret Hamilton, Wicked Witch, Sesame Street, and it was just released. Have you seen it yet, Scott? I haven't. I've been seeing it float around on Facebook a little bit, and I'm I'm dying to see it. But... Yeah, I, I just watched it today myself, so it's out there. Um, and uh, you know, and the question, my next question was actually, what scared you uh, as a kid? And there, that was it. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> that was the next question. So, uh, what's the um, while you were out? Uh, in uh, LA, you mentioned going to one of the theaters where she was discovered. Uh, so something that we didn't talk about, what was the biggest highlight for you uh, outside of your own circle? I know that you. this was a lot of work for you. Yes. Were you able to enjoy yourself outside of the work you were doing yourself? 
Oh, that's so hard. Um, I, I love to work. I'm very, very focused and I want to make sure that everything is done, mm -hmm. um, you know, correctly and properly. This is something like you said, I have worked a very, very long, this is, uh, a lot of my life's work in a way as, as, as odd as that sounds. So, um, I, it was hard for me to relax when I was in LA. Um, but those few moments that, um, you know, that we were putting the collection, you know, packing it up and things of that nature to be able to celebrate with my, my friends who had come to donate their time. And my boyfriend who had came, um, you know, flew from Florida to come and help out. Like it was just really a wonderful celebration to be with all these individuals and these people that I cared about. My mother who came from St. Louis that I only get to see once or twice a year. Um, those were the moments, even while we were working, um, that I really love and I, I found dear and uh, hold close to my heart. So it was just, it was a wonderful experience all around. That's great. Um, what is the one thing that you are most interested in right now beyond all of this? Mm. So I work in TV and film production right now. Uh, I'm doing the final season of The Good Fight with Christine Baranski. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm slated to do a movie after that. But I, I do this as my, my main work, and I absolutely love it because it's my passion. Uh, but I love producing as well. So I have other projects that um, I have at helm, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to bite the bit on it and, and get to it. But uh, there's one book that I'd love to turn into a, an off-Broadway play. So I'm uh, looking into that right now. Uh, there was a script that I've had in development for a screenplay for six years, uh, six plus years, excuse me, um, about the Ruby Slippers of Oz. I would really love to bring that to screen about a man's, uh, about Kent Warner and the discovery of the Ruby Slippers wow, and things yeah. of that nature. And, um, you know, juggling fantasy versus reality and how the two kind of blend, uh, you know, while he was dealing with AIDS and as his, illness kind of progressed how fantasy and reality really started to blend with each other. So that's a theme that I was, uh, you know, discovering as well. So there are projects outside of this uh, and my main work that I, I continue to work on and I hope I'm able to bring uh, and share with people. Oh, I think you will. I believe that you will. Um, do you feel that when and where you were born uh, gives insight or has a bearing as to the work that you're doing today? Oh, I sure hope so. Um, I don't think any of us should forget where we come from. Um, I think it's really, really important. Uh, I, I love that I grew up on a farm and that I had horses. Uh, and it just, even though living in New York City and the hustle and bustle of everything that's going on, I'm constantly reminded about the horses and my family and the farm and where I came from and just boiling everything, all the noise and all the nonsense down to its core. Mm -hmm. Where, where did you come from? So I, I hope uh, in the future, I can continue to remember that uh, going forward and whatever I'm able to do or not do in my life, just to remember where you come from. I think it's very, very important. Amen. And this is my last question for you. Uh, what is the best single piece of advice that you have ever received in your career? Oh, in my career. This is tricky. I don't necessarily, it's going to sound uh, a little harsh, but 
and it's not necessarily true, but um, I had a director when I was working on this film called Saving Shiloh that told me uh, there's nothing more important than work. And while that isn't true, I have held on to that, that saying, because whatever, again, this is in theme with what I just said, whatever is going on in your life, if you look at the end goal and you can ignore all the obstacles and everything that is going on, you will get to that end goal. You will get to that finish line. You just have to keep fighting for it. Um, definitely, you have people that will support you along the way, but stay focused and ignore all the noise. Believe in what you believe, and, and I truly believe that you will get there. And that's useful advice right there. So hold on, we're gonna give away uh, a t-shirt. And like you said, you can all purchase those t-shirts. I'll have the information also on my YouTube channel uh, so that you'll be able to purchase that. And we'll, Howard Tucker Wonderful. is our winner tonight. So Howard Tucker, uh, and uh, so we'll uh, put you both in touch with each other. Uh, don't go anywhere for a moment uh, because I want to say a few words and then I'm going to give you the final word tonight. So uh, just uh, sit tight for a moment. I want to thank you all for being here tonight. I see some new faces, uh, new names here tonight. Uh, if this is your first time here, I hope that it will not be your last time. Uh, my show is all about celebrating. It's about celebrating life. It's about celebrating art. It's about celebrating artists such as Judy Garland and Scott and the great work that he's doing. Uh, if this is your first time, I hope it will not be your last time. Uh, please consider subscribing to this channel. Uh, and after the show tonight, uh, please, even if you've left comments here, uh, please go back to YouTube after the show tonight and leave a comment to let us know what you thought of the show. What that does is that it really helps us in terms of the algorithms of the show and it really helps in terms of how it shows up in the ranking. It helps. So it's important that you do that. Uh, and you can go a step further, if you don't mind, and share this with your friends. I know that someone said that he uh, posted on the Judy Room. It, it would mean the world to me if you shared these uh, on your various pages. Uh, that helps get the word out not only for what I'm doing, but what Scott is doing and getting this word out there and letting people know about this uh, great work that Scott's doing. It's important that we do this. Uh, usefulness. Uh, we can all be useful to each other. Uh, I've been thinking a lot lately in terms of the climate that we're in and the world that we're in and social media and what we can do to make this a better climate a better community, a better place to be in. And I think about when you see a post, uh, ask yourself, does it elevate me? Does it elevate the people that the post is about? Uh, is it meant uh, to uh, spread positivity around or is it negative? Because there's a lot of negativity out there. Uh, if it's meant to elevate, uh, do one of three things, hit the like button, uh, leave a comment or share it, especially if it's other artists, because every person in this business, every person that's on this page wants to be acknowledged. And it takes very little effort to do that. If it's not going to elevate someone, then my hope is that you will hide the post or delete it so that it goes no further and you can stop it right in its tracks. And it's important that we all do that. I also end every show 
by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. What I'd like you all to do is go to your Facebook friends, uh, uh, your Facebook page, and reach out to the fifth name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And I want you to reach out to that person and I want you to let that person know what they mean to you. And you can also go a step further and ask them if they saw this show tonight and tell them a little bit about this. And then you can go to Scott's page and you can order two t-shirts. Keep one for yourself and then send one to the person that you just spoke with and let them know what. And then you'll walk around, especially as we all celebrate pride and pride in each other this month. And you'll see everybody walking around with these Judy T-shirts. Wouldn't that be exciting? I love that. All over town. So that would be wonderful. So I have a dear friend, Sean Moniger, and he always says we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, uh, you never know what someone else is going through. But if you're going to go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. So, Scott, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to give you the final word. Anything you want to say about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon? Anything that we didn't talk about that you wish that we had? Or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with tonight? Uh, Don't worry about how to end it. As soon as you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. And anytime you have anything to talk about, I hope that you'll consider Richard Skipper Celebrates. So thank you for being here. And I hope that you'll stay in touch. Thank, thank you, you for having me. I appreciate thank it. And thank you, everybody else, for joining me tonight. And Richard, thank you, Richard, for having me. I so appreciate it. Uh, thank you for celebrating Judy Garland on her 100th birthday. I would love to hear from you. So please join us on our Facebook page. Uh, write me individually at info at judygarlandexhibit.com. If you guys have any questions, if you own a costume and you have some questions about conservation, if you have an old poster that's tattered and you want it repaired, please reach out to me. Uh, It is part of my mission to restore these pieces. It's very, very important. And also, if you live in the middle of the country or somewhere that's not New York City or LA, I want to hear from you. Please let me know where you would like this exhibit to travel to. Please let me know. It's very, very important to me. Uh, I hope I can share this with as many people as possible. Again, thank you for joining us tonight and good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.